You're listening to the Mommy Labor Podcast, episode number 53. Hey guys, so we have an expert interview. This week we have Miss Parjat on to talk to us all about stress and high-risk pregnancy and how stress really plays a part in high-risk pregnancy. It's a very cool episode. We talked about stress as it relates to preterm labor and other complications, some tips that we can do to reduce our stress during pregnancy, and also talking about stress in postpartum as well. It was a very cool episode. So Parjat is a leading high-risk pregnancy specialist, somatic trauma professional, and speaker and author who guides women to improve their pregnancy complications so they can reduce the risk of preterm birth. How cool. (laughs) Her unique neurobiological approach has served hundreds of women to manage pregnancy complications and reclaim a safety and trust in their bodies that they thought was eroded forever. Parjat is the author of a best-selling book, Pregnancy Brain, A Mind-Body Approach to Stress Management During a High-Risk Pregnancy, which I have also read. It's a great little read. I read it during, I read it before my pregnancy with Ryland, and then I reread it again during my pregnancy with him. Um, Very, very, very insightful. Definitely a great read, you know, for anybody who's pregnant, um, regardless if you have, you know, high-risk complications or not. So Parjat is also the host of a popular podcast, Delivering Miracles, that discusses the real raw side of family building, including infertility, loss, high-risk pregnancy, bed rest, prematurity, and healing once baby comes home. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode all about stress and high-risk pregnancy. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast was brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I personally have tried BetterHelp. I personally have tried BetterHelp.com in the past. Right after Walter was born, I was really struggling with some stuff and I needed a counselor, but I didn't really want to go out of the house because I had a newborn. So I signed up for BetterHelp and it was just so wonderful to be able to text with my counselor back and forth and talking to her about the issues that I was going through. One of my favorite parts of virtual therapy is that you do have the ability to do that and you can just kind of scroll back through your conversation and refresh your memory instead of typical counseling where you kind of have to rack your brain and think, oh, what did we, what exactly did she recommend to me? With BetterHelp, you have access to that whole conversation. You can just scroll right back through. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You'll get timely and thoughtful you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. 
It's definitely way more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is also available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website at trybetterhelp.com slash labor nurse. That's try better H-E-L-P and join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Mommy Labor Nurse listeners to get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash labor nurse. And now let's get into today's episode. Hi, Parijat. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Farijat. I am from the Bay Area in California, born and raised here, never left. Awesome. Had opportunities to leave, but I just couldn't <laughs> make yeah. myself do it. Yeah. Um, I am mom to two little kiddos, a seven-year-old, former 24-weeker, and oh. a an 18-month-old. And I work as a high-risk pregnancy specialist and somatic trauma professional. And it was inspired by my work, my experience with uh, getting pregnant with my son, with the seven-year-old. Yeah, I'm sure. Because that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very high risk. Very, it, very high risk. It, it was a bit much. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got pregnant after fertility treatment and after a scary loss uh, due to a ruptured ectopic. And he's our first IVF baby. And we, I had a very high risk pregnancy, lots of complications that began before I was even aware that I was pregnant and that just kept piling on and on and on. And um, we were able to help me stay pregnant until 24 weeks and five days, which is when he was born. And that is far too early for, I would say anyone. And it was just late enough for him to give him a chance at life. And it was that experience that pulled me away from my, my work as a child and family therapist to really come back around and support women who are going through high risk pregnancies to learn what they can do, even in times when it feels like everything is just falling apart and, Mm -hmm. and everything is just so hard and so scary how we can actually help ourselves stay pregnant, even if it's for a few days or a couple of weeks or a couple of months, every single day matters. And it was, it just feels like what I'm put on this earth to do. And I'm just so grateful to be able to do it. I love it. I love it. And I have your book and I've read your book and it's fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that today. And just um, kind of what we're going to talk about today, guys, is stress and how it relates to pregnancy and delivery, um, because it can play a big, big part in a lot of things as you've written all about in your book. And, and that's your whole philosophy. So we're going to talk a lot about stress today. So first off, just kind of walk me through or walk our listeners through about how stress can kind of play a part in just general pregnancy. Yeah, definitely. So where I like to start is uh, let's talk about what stress is not. Stress is not your fault. Stress is not you being too negative or having a bad mindset or not Mm -hmm. being grateful or being a terrible person. Mm -hmm. None of that is true. Uh, Stress is what we, what we, you can call it as a threat response, meaning your brain has identified something that is of danger to you or to your baby. So during pregnancy, it's for you or for your baby. Mm -hmm. And it, that, that 
response kicks off a set of physiological changes in the body that is outside of conscious awareness. So you're not thinking yourself into stress. You're not talking yourself into stress. This all happens without words. Mm -hmm. And the chemical changes that happen in the body impact, uh, it starts in the nervous system and then it impacts all other body systems in a way to basically mobilize us to run away from the threat or to fight the threat or to hide from the threat. Uh, in the book, uh, Pregnancy Brain, as you know, I talk a lot about the example of running away from a bear. Right. Is when you when you see the bear coming at you, your body mobilizes you to either run from the bear, fight the bear, or to go hide and, and freeze and, and hope that the bear passes and doesn't see you, mm -hmm. right? That is what we mean by stress. And I think that's really important to identify when we talk about stress and pregnancy because too often the narrative around stress and pregnancy is, well, just, just relax, just be more positive and it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And that's not actually biologically what happens when we're talking about stress. And the reason that's important is because the chemical changes that start in the nervous system when you've identified a threat can impact and does impact your endocrine system, which is your hormonal system, and your immune system. And for a healthy pregnancy, we actually see, and we know that you need your nervous system, endocrine system, and immune system in this very perfectly mapped out balance that nature has designed. It is diastasis, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and that balance is different than what it is when we are not pregnant. So it shifts. If you imagine like a stool with three uh -huh. legs, it shifts a little in pregnancy and it's supposed to shift in pregnancy, but it's got to shift the right way. Right. And when our nervous system becomes dysregulated because we are in survival mode, it impacts the other two legs of that stool, which then can set the stage for pregnancy complications. And that's why this is so important. Makes sense. Makes total sense. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And I know we've, we're, we'll move on to the next point now. And the next point is just about preterm labor and complications and how that, you know, kind of stress plays into all of that. And I know obviously you have a very personal um, uh, correlation to that because you've <laughs> been through that firsthand. So yeah. let's go a little bit deeper into it and how stress can play a part into like these sorts of complications. Absolutely. So in the way that we were just talking about, it's in that shift of that mm -hmm. balance of the three systems. And so we see changes to our hormones, which uh, certain levels of hormones, certain types of hormones, we see an increase in inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. We see um, a particular hormone called the releasing, uh, corticotropin releasing hormone actually increases in levels. It's supposed to increase across the pregnancy just normally. Mm -hmm. But if it, if it spikes too high too early, it starts to tell the placenta, oh, we're almost done. Pregnancy is mm -hmm. almost over. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really a huge piece that's coming out in the research over the last 20, 30 years of what we're finding is there's uh, that particular hormone can be triggered by the changes in our nervous system when we identify threat and the cascading effect that it has into the other two systems as well. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's crazy. And so what are some of the high, now we've talked, you know, you've been through preterm, the preterm labor side of it. Mm -hmm. That's def definitely a complication. Um, but I think a lot of people don't recognize some of the other complications. And I know, I think I've 
because of you that I talked to you. I don't remember. Um, but uh, the one that I'm thinking of in my brain is preeclampsia. Yeah. And how preeclampsia can play into all of this. And that's a very calm, not very common, but it's a fairly common complication that a lot of women have during pregnancy. So what I guess are some of the high risk complications that can occur related to you know, this stress during pregnancy, what are some of the ones that you've identified and, um, you know, that you've seen? Yeah. So you're right. So preterm contractions, preterm labor and preterm delivery is a big one. And preeclampsia is absolutely a big one as well as any other um, hypertensive disorders during pregnancy, very closely tied um, and related to these, the shift in that three-legged stool that we've been talking about. We also know that there's an increased risk of intrauterine infections and bacterial Mm. vaginosis, gestational diabetes, uh, P-prom, so preterm premature rupture of membranes or water breaks before 37 weeks before you go into labor, mm-hmm. um, which was a, one of the complications I had as well. And I know how terrifying that is. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> and and then we also see decreased blood flow to baby and uh, a higher incidence of babies born uh, with low birth weight for mm-hmm. women who have experienced pregnancy with that three-legged stool mm-hmm. off balance from what we expect in, during pregnancy. So like I usually are, that's sort of mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's, I think, go into the meat and bones of this discussion and talk about what are some tips that moms can kind of do to reduce their stress or really like more take control of their stress during pregnancy. Yeah. So what I like to uh, describe is, again, going back to the example of the bear, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you are being chased by a bear, you would not sit and meditate. You would not think positively. You would not make, you know, journal or make a gratitude list or anything like that. Those are fabulous tools. But what has to come before that is you have to get to safety. And what I've found is that a lot of women who are experiencing high levels of stress during pregnancy, really what it boils down to is they don't feel safe during pregnancy. That could be because of any number of external uh, circumstances. For example, you don't trust your medical team. You're having marital conflict. There's financial stress. There's a lot of lack of safety, maybe in the environment, And I guess particularly now, even with changes to the prenatal care and lots of uncertainty about prenatal care, delivering Mm -hmm. in hospitals where it might be scary, all of that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the internal experience too, I find, especially for women who are pregnant after loss, after infertility, after preterm delivery, um, or who have complications, it's scary to be pregnant just on its own. Mm -hmm. And so Where I start with my clients is we have to establish a sense of safety in your body. You've got to feel safe being pregnant before you can do any of the other things that require thinking, so to speak. That makes total sense. (laughs) That's crazy. I know. It's so simple, actually, when you think about it. And and that's why I use the example of the bear so much is, Mm -hmm. would you do this if you were being chased by a bear? And you suddenly go, oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't be making a gratitude (laughs) list. (laughs) It would be running to get out of there. Yeah. And the solution is, right, you find a cave and you hide Mm -hmm. or you get in your car and you go Mm -hmm. and you get back to safety. And that's exactly what we do physiologically. And so a lot of that is about bringing your senses back online. That's really where we start. If you, again, imagine running away from the bear, we don't need to know what the trees smell like as we're running. We don't need to hear what the leaves sound like when we're running on them. Uh, There are actual changes that happen to our brain that shut parts of our brain off 
to keep us alive because they're not necessary for survival. And so if we can start bringing those back online, if you start recognizing sensations again, uh, both first external sensations and then internal sensations, notice when you're hungry, notice when you're thirsty, and really start bringing that online very slowly, you start teaching your brain and your nervous system, okay, we're safe. We're we're safe. The bear's Mm -hmm. gone. And as we do that, then we can add on the other, the tools that you, you know, we talk about that we typically associate with stress once we're actually feeling safe to be pregnant. That's, that's very interesting because that makes total sense. Like why the heck it's almost like your body, if you're trying to do those things, if you're trying to do the gratitude journal you mentioned, or you're trying to do breathing and you know, whatever, it's almost like, yeah, your body's like, this is stupid. (laughs) Not working (laughs) at all. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that threat first. That's right. And actually, if you try to do it, you find that not only does it not stick, you know, the effect of it yeah. doesn't stick, but sometimes you start to feel worse a little bit. The anxiety yeah, it picks pisses up. your body off. Yeah, exactly. Going, <laughs> are you not listening? There's a bear here. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. total sense. Wow. Interesting. Um, so how about, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are who's listened to the mommy labor nurse podcast have already had their babies. So what about postpartum and how this stress kind of ties into postpartum is stress kind of related to maybe some complications during postpartum as well? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked. Cause I think this is a piece that not a lot of people talk about and ask about. So I'm so glad we're talking about this. So what I like to share is a body that is in survival mode during pregnancy will stay in survival mode postpartum and into motherhood until the bear is gone. Mm-hmm. So as long as we have not identified a sense of safety, this is this will follow you. And it shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, the most common that I see, I work a lot with NICU moms and preemie moms. Mm-hmm. And so the a really common way we see that is autoimmune disorders pop up afterwards. Yeah. Uh, we see hypertensive disorders pop up. Uh, we see chronic pain in lots of incidences of chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think that it's related to maybe pregnancy or how we delivered the baby, and it it possibly could have been tied to that, certainly. Mm-hmm. But our body has is living in a chronically inflamed state with our endocrine system off balance, the nervous system still looking around for the bear, getting you out. And so proper functioning of our body has not restored postpartum, even though the baby's born, baby might be here, baby might be healthy, and you might be looking at them going, I don't get it. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. And what I also see very frequently is when our bodies are in that heightened alert state of survival mode during pregnancy, if it stays there for too long, it can increase the risk of experiencing birth trauma, even if you had a relatively quote unquote simple delivery. Yeah. And, um, we see it as clusters of symptoms that we call postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, postpartum PTSD. But what it really is, is a body that is completely frozen in that state of danger and can't come out from that. And from there, we can see a lot of these health complications pop up. Interesting. Yeah. Gosh, it all just kind of plays together, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, we still have a little time. um, And this is kind of me just going off off the cusp. But uh, did you want to, or do you feel comfortable kind of sharing your story um, with your son and how that yeah. kind of went? And yeah, so, so maybe people can kind of relate that way too. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, as I mentioned, I got pregnant with him after a loss. So, and it was a really scary loss because Mm -hmm. it was a ruptured ectopic. And so it was the first time, you know, my husband and I were new to trying to conceive. It's we weren't the kind of couple that have been trying for a long time. Yeah. We knew we would need fertility treatment. uh, So we started pretty early and we had heard of miscarriages happening and we were as prepared as you could possibly be, which is not very prepared, but we knew that it was a possibility. We did not think it was a possibility that I could lose my life in trying to grow our family. And so going into IVF, we were terrified. Yeah. Uh, we Our eyes were wide opened to, oh my goodness, this could be dangerous. This could be scary. Mm-hmm. And so there was that fear that had come with me. I developed a complication immediately after IVF called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which is also quite scary. Um, We see a lesser incidence of it now because we don't do fresh embryo transfers anymore or Mm -hmm. very unlikely to do them. We do frozen embryo transfers, which is great because it allows your body to come down from the egg retrieval, Mm -hmm. get back to baseline, and then you transfer the embryo and hopefully uh, you get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I found out I was pregnant is uh, I was in the middle of, I'd completed a a procedure called an um, paracentesis, which is they take this gigantic needle that is way too long for Not anyone fun. to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they 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 insert it um, into you to drain the fluid that's accumulating in your belly. So I didn't know I was pregnant, but I looked about six months pregnant because of all the fluid that it accumulated. And I was recovering from that procedure. I was dizzy and my legs were aching and my husband was on the floor of the exam room just rubbing Aww. my legs. And my doctor Aww. pokes his head and he goes, congratulations, you're pregnant. We're like, gosh. what? Oh my <laughs> what gosh, what you- a way to find out. <laughs> it took wow. a while. Like, what did he just say? Did you just hear that? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And and unfortunately, you know, for some people, if you experience that, it you, it does resolve itself by 12 weeks on its own for everybody, if not sooner. But in my case, uh, it really peaked quite high. I ended up hospitalized for it because my um, kidney levels, liver function, all of that was just really starting to be affected. It was getting really scary. Yeah. So you I would, your body was just holding on to everything and your, yeah. all your organs were affected by that. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, yeah. it was, and to be honest, I was actually more scared at that point than I was with the ruptured ectopic. There was just mm-hmm. something internally, you know, you just know mm-hmm. like, this is not right. This doesn't feel good. Yeah. So I was hospitalized for that. And on the day of discharge from the hospital, I developed my second complication, which was a subchorionic hemorrhage, mm-hmm. uh, which is very right. common. Yeah. And for most people, it will resolve on its own by the end of the first trimester. But, you know, seeing blood while you are pregnant is terrifying for everybody. Right. Uh, in my case, it did not resolve after the first trimester, and it just kind of spiraled into more and more and more complications. And by the time I was I believe about 18 or 19 weeks, I was 18 weeks, I was um, already having preterm contractions. Mm. And at 22 weeks and four days, I landed in the hospital three centimeters dilated. Mm. Yeah. And I will just, I will never forget the look on that doctor's face. Uh, it was an on-call doctor who said, you're three centimeters dilated. And I went, I know that's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, I've heard that happens at the end. We're really yeah. far from the end. Yeah. What yeah. did, what does this mean? You know? Mm-hmm. And like my body went into 
even like even more survival mode if that's even possible. Mm-hmm. And um, and my brain was still going, but I don't understand what you're saying. How is this possible? Mm-hmm. And so I it, that was the beginning of um, me being on strict hospital bed rest. I'd been on activity restrictions throughout the pregnancy from when the bleeding began, yeah. with more and more restrictions increasing over time. But this is when I was on strict bed rest. I was not allowed to get up. I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom. I was like, they were just trying to keep him in. And yeah. so they flipped my bed up. So I was in Trendelenburg position with my legs above my feet, my my head. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping with medication and gravity that he stayed in. Mm-hmm. And there was one thing I remember the next, so I was admitted around midnight, but the next morning when my whole team came in and they were talking to me and telling us all these terrible statistics of what could happen if he was born that weekend, which is what they anticipated would happen. I remember thinking, look, there's one thing that I can do that nobody else can do, and that is to release this survival energy that's constantly being dumped into my body. Right. Because I can feel it, and you guys can see it. When I'm anxious, scared, stressed, overwhelmed, worried, whatever you want to call it, you can see the contractions picking up on the monitor. And when my body is extremely loose and there's no tension in my body, the contractions stop. So I kind of told everybody in the room at that point, you guys do the medical stuff. You know, you guys monitor me. Uh, Family, you guys keep me happy. (laughs) Do what you need to do. And I'm going to keep my body tension free and let's see what we can do about this. And it was in that combination that we were able to go from them believing I was going to deliver that weekend and lose him to making it to 24 weeks and five days, which was just late enough to give him a chance at life. Incredible. Incredible. And that's why I do this work. No, no, that's incredible. And it's crazy too, because like, that's all of those things that you're saying. I I see that all the time, Yes, all the time. Yes. You know, you see like people, family members getting really, really crazy because, you know, the medical team is telling them these things and the patient's getting really, really anxious and their, you know, their blood pressure goes up or their, you know, their contractions, their preterm contractions increase. And it's like, we got to do everything we can to relax your body and, and, you know, turn the lights off and, you know, like do all of yeah. these interventions to get yep. us all back down. Okay. Yes. And then it, I mean, nine times out of 10, you know, we, it, every, it, it was not, maybe not, this doesn't completely resolve, but right. yeah, things start to kind of go back to normal. makes sense. And I mean, yes. I'm just thinking about also what I, what we teach our, uh, uh, our patients, you know, for, you know, my, my followers, <laughs> everybody for labor prep is these re- relaxation methods. Um, it, you know, just during labor, if you're term yes. in labor, you're learning yes. about all these re- relaxation methods. So that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. So, okay. So t- talk to me about you were 23 weeks and five days and what happened? So I was 24 weeks and five days. 24, Thank- 24. Thankfully, we made it there. Yeah, 24. <laughs> um, yeah so 24 weeks and five days. Uh, we actually, the night before, my maternal fetal medicine specialist came in and it was like we had gone days without mm-hmm. any concerns, any um, issues that had popped up. It had really stabilized quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that I wasn't going to leave the hospital. Making it to 28 weeks seemed like a gigantic stretch. Right. 
but right. Sunday was going to be 25 weeks. And so all, everybody's eyes were on 25 weeks. If we could just make it to Sunday, we'll change up our plan, but we're going to keep it super tight until then. Everyone was just generally feeling really good. I was beating all yeah. kinds of odds. Everything was looking relatively stable. And so we went into the day, which was a Friday, feeling really good. And my husband, who had taken some time off from work to be with me in the hospital, said, all right, I'm going to go back to work, which was like a 10, maybe 15 minute drive from the hospital. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go check in there and see what's going on. I'll be back. And I was feeling good. I watched a movie. I had some lunch. Everything was just great. And he was about to come back from work around five o'clock and at about 4.30, I went, uh-oh, something's not right. No. And I couldn't figure out what it was. There was no pain. There was nothing that would clue me in that I was in. I was about to deliver him, mm-hmm. but something didn't feel right. And my mom saw the look in my eyes and she went, let me get the nurse. And this nurse who had been with me for this whole, I was still in the hospital for 15 days and I'd gotten yeah. to know the whole team of people. We knew yeah. each other's kids and families and grandparents and, you know, gotten to yeah. know each other. I went, yeah. something's not right. I looked at her in the eyes and said, something's not right. Something's not right. And I just kept saying that over and over and over. She checked it. all my vitals. Nothing was looking off. Nothing seemed different. I didn't have an infection or I didn't have a fever yeah. at least. Yeah. And uh, between when I, when my mom brought her in, I, between that and um, when the doctor came in, we went full speed ahead. And so from that point, 12 minutes later, my son was born. Oh my gosh. And your cervix just opened. (laughs) I mean, it was just hot. He was like ready to come. And the doctor at one point had to tell me not to push. I was like, okay, sure. Um, And I actually was in that, I was there was actually a moment when she said, okay, you can push now. And I went, how do I do that? I haven't (laughs) taken any classes. And I literally thought of the scene in Friends. I don't know if you've seen that show. Oh, I have. Oh, right. (laughs) With with the kidney stone, Uh Uh (laughs) the kidney stone. I was like, oh, he's telling him to push. (laughs) Okay, push. (laughs) That's too funny. (laughs) And I mean, I probably didn't have to do a whole lot. I probably could have sneezed and he would have come out. I mean, he was just so little. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not even, you know, at that, when they're that little, you, you're not even truly 10 centimeters no, dilated. Mm-mm. It's, you know, you're seven or eight, seven centimeters. Exactly. It's just gone. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, there was a moment right before he was born and there was just chaos in the room and I completely turned my attention to him And I felt like, okay, this is the last time he's going to experience a sense of peace for me before he comes into this world. And so tune it out and just focus and give him everything he needs to fight the minute he's out. And it was in that, um, I really don't even remember pushing. I don't, I just don't remember. It was so fast. It wasn't even hardly a push and he was out. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, it all happened so quickly that the NICU team did not get a chance to stabilize him in the room as they typically do. Yeah, uh, they they weren't ready for it, and so mm-hmm. we found out later that the neonatologist actually wrapped him up and they bagged him, and she sprinted to the NICU with him in her arms. Yeah, and yeah. got him stabilized in the NICU, and it was um, because I had been in Trendelenburg for so long, for so many days, that it took us it took several hours for me to be able to sit back up straight without almost fainting. Yeah. And so I think it was about three, three and a half hours after he was born 
that I got to see him for the first time in the NICU. And how long did he end up staying there? He was there for 109 days. Okay. And he came home the day after his due date, which is is, remarkably fast for a 24-weeker. I was going to say, they usually say to, you know, to your due date, but as you get uh, earlier, (laughs) as you deliver earlier in the pregnancy, earlier and earlier, you know, think weeks, think even more weeks past the due date. Exactly. Um, But yeah, well, that is remarkable. Um, So tell us, I know, you know, I referenced your book in the beginning of of the podcast. Um, Tell us about your book and where people can kind of find your book if they want to read more about high risk and stress management during pregnancy. Absolutely. So the book is called Pregnancy Brain, a mind-body approach to stress management during a high-risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And it was written for the person who's going through what I went through. Uh, When you're scared for your child, you have a complication, you're pregnant after a loss or multiple losses, you're going through a hard time to bring this child into the world and you're terrified and you know that thinking positively is not working, but you know that your stress is impacting your pregnancy. You want to know what to do. So it is um, part my story that parts of which I just shared and um, part client stories to show you how it works and a lot of how just kind of how the methodology and the framework works. And it's all supported by over 70 years of research where we have found and we know the impact of these physiological changes that we call stress impact pregnancy outcomes. And so I reference a lot of the work that's just the foundational work that's out there to um, impact women's health and pregnancy health and outcomes that I think is just going to explode in the coming years, which I'm very excited about. So Pregnancy Brain is available on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle or as a paperback, and you can also buy it on barnesandnoble.com. Cool. Very cool. And it's like a little, it's a blue she's in a blue gown. <laughs> like She <laughs> yeah. has like a little hand under her belly. It's like a blue book, pregnancy brain. Very cool. Well, awesome. Well, I know you are on social media as I am. So can you just remind listeners um, that we know where to find your book now, but I know you got an Instagram um, and social media and stuff. So can you remind our listeners um, if they want to follow you, where they can find you? Yeah, I am at healthy.highriskpregnancy on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll leave that. Those links, I'll leave your Instagram in the um, show notes page and then I'll link to your book as well. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I think that was very impactful. (laughs) A lot of people can totally relate to. And I told, I mean, I think this kind of, it's such a short read, like not a short read, such an easy read too. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's just such a great book to recommend to pretty much I mean, I think anybody can kind of read, you don't have to be like a super stressful person to like be somebody who's going to read this book. It's just good information that you can just kind of incorporate, even if you don't have a really stressful life. I don't know. <laughs> like, Thank I feel you like so it's much. Good, I feel like it's good for anybody to just quit. You know, if you're looking for a good read during pregnancy, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Thank it. you so, so much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse 
for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.